Mr. Speaker. All right, it's 8.30 on a Friday. That means it's time for the Ready One Breakfast Politics uh, with uh, John Moore. I think Phil's just arrived, Dr. Phil Ferguson. And this morning we're joined by special guest Emi Rakati uh, from People Against Prisons, Aotearoa. Morena to you all. Kia ora. How are we all this morning? How are you, Emi? Well, it's miserable in Auckland, mm-hmm. so I'm doing great. This is what we deserve. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, all right, and Phil's in the background there, so he's not on the mic yet, but I'm sure he's fine. He's gone to the wrong one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of morning. Uh, anyway, um, right, we're going to kick it off with this morning. We're going to be talking about the prison voting ban. Prisoners have been denied the right to participate in elections. Uh, now there's a campaign uh, that is gaining momentum with groups and individuals pushing for a change uh, to that law, stating that the voting ban is undemocratic and removes the fundamental human rights of current past and future prisoners. Um, first off though, Emi, I want to ask you about people against uh, prisons Aotearoa. Who and what are you and what are the aims of the group? Um, so People Against Prisons Aotearoa is a prison abolitionist organisation. Mm-hmm. We operate nationally. We've got branches in uh, Auckland, Wellington, and in Dunedin. So, um, if you're interested, we've got a crew down there who can um, you can hook up with. But um, our main kind of area of interest is the criminal justice system and all of the god awful, stupid stuff that it does that harms people every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, um, you, you, well, the group uh, thinks that prison prisoners should have the right to vote. Essentially, yeah. Um, all right, John. Yeah, I think uh, this is becoming more of an issue. Uh, the the fact that prisoners can't vote in New Zealand, and, and this hasn't this hasn't um, been a situation that's existed always in New Zealand. It was actually the last national government uh, that passed legislation to uh, take away the right to vote for prisoners, and there wasn't actually much discussion at the time. So I was actually looking today for arguments for taking that. The, the right to vote away from prisoners. Uh, there's nothing really up at the moment. Even the Sensible, sens- sens- sensible Sentencing Trust uh, doesn't say anything about it on their website. Uh, I thought Mr. Old Whale Oil might have a go about this issue, but he says nothing. He vlogged nothing. And at the time, there was very little discussion about it either when, when National actually passed this legislation. So, um, now that more and more groups and individuals and the Green Party are coming out uh, for reform in this area, I think we'll also see a backlash, if you like, from uh, people who say that um, prisoners should have their right to vote denied while they're incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Amy, why shouldn't prisoners have their rights to vote? I mean, why, yeah, why, why, why should they be able to vote? I mean, it's a bit of an odd situation, right? Because we're always led to believe when we go to our politics classes in high school that New Zealand is this great democracy and everyone's been enfranchised. Mm-hmm. And we've moved past the era where you have to pay a poll tax to prove you're not Chinese or um, you don't need to be you know, a landholding male over the age of 21 to be able to vote anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, we've got this you know, straight-up violation of the Bill of Rights saying that prisoners can't vote. And like you pointed out, there's not really been any argument as to why this is a good idea. It kind of just happened. And I think that says a lot about what the national era was like. You could just pass whatever kind of 
bizarre reactionary bill you wanted to put forward and that's what this one was. There was no major debate about it. No major arguments were put forward in favour of this being a necessity for the survival of our democracy. Mm-hmm. It kind of just happened and so we can kind of just get rid of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for for uh, a, a lot of people that are within jail, and, uh, and a lot of them shouldn't be there, and, and, and there's a lot of things we should talk about the justice system, but we're focusing on this today. But there are prisons in there that have essentially removed the fundamental human rights of others. Um, there are some that have, you know, murdered, raped, uh, and there are people that will be affected by their crimes for their lives. So in some small way, why shouldn't they pay for their crimes, for their lives. I mean, they'll get out of prison eventually. Or, 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 you know, why shouldn't this right be taken away when some prisoners have taken away huge rights from others? Yeah, so that's probably the one argument that does get put forward in favour of this bill. And I think that the response we have to say to that is, well, that's not how human rights work, because they're, they're human rights, rights that humans have by virtue of being human. Mm-hmm. If they can be taken away because we're upset at someone's behaviour or we don't think that they've lived up to them, then they're not human rights. They are um, human special little treats for good boys. And I don't want to live in a society founded on you getting treats of being a good boy. Mm-hmm. I want to live in a society where people have fundamental rights which have to be respected, not because they've earned them, but because everybody gets them. And that's kind of meant to be the foundation of our democracy. If we um, say... Well, everyone can participate in our society, except for the people who have chosen not to participate in our society. Then we get a warped view of what the people want. And I think that's a bad way to run a democracy. Mm-hmm. And they are getting punished. Like, they're in prison. That, that, <laughs> that's the punishment. And it's not like prison is a pleasant place for people to be. Mm. And so why do they have to have something else taken off them? I mean, this was the argument for hanging, wasn't it? They've taken their life, so therefore they forfeit theirs. Yeah. But... Yeah, we've we've moved on a long way from there, and when, I mean most most people that look at prisons will conclude that they're not actually the answer to anything anyway. Yeah, but we're kind of st- stuck with them until we yeah <laughs> until there's enough of a movement to get rid of them and and have something much better in their place, and so people who commit crimes go to well. Not everybody that commits a crime goes to prison. <laughs> if you're rich and and white, you're probably not going to end up. You know, there's a good chance that you won't end up in prison. But people who are who are working class, and especially if they're brown working class, are likely to end up in prison. That's the pu- that's the punishment. Mm-hmm. So where does the vote come into it? Why should they have the vote taken off them as well? Yeah. Like yeah. should 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 we maybe not feed them, and that will be a punishment as well? Um, John, what does the Bill of Rights actually say on this? Well, the Bill of Rights gives everyone um, over 18 the right to vote and not to have that uh, taken away from them. Mm. Um, so the, the I believe the S- Supreme Court ruled that it, that the current legislation was in conflict with the Bill of Rights. What is tricky is... is um, it's not clear how Parliament and the government is meant to respond when the Supreme Court says that legislation is in conflict with the Bill of Rights. In America, it's a lot more clear when the Supreme Court says that um, uh, legislation or acts of government or local government are in conflict with um, the Constitution, then those um, laws are now in void. And uh, we've seen that with lots of cases. That's, for example, why there um, no longer are laws against homosexuality in America, because... Mm. 
the Supreme Court ruled that they were unconstitutional, even though lots of states had it on their statute books that yeah. homosexuality was illegal. So um, it's disappointing that uh, this government has said that uh, in, in relation to the Supreme Court ruling, its main concern is looking at how Parliament, what is the process when there's a conflict there between the, uh, the ju judicial arm of the government and the legislative arm of the government. So it just wants to work through what the process should be, rather than addressing <laughs> uh, this actual specific ruling. Yeah, well, I mean, shouldn't the process be in there from the beginning, right? Yes. Uh, it, it would make perfect sense. Well, I mean, I, well, it confuses me then, Emmy, that if you are, you know, if, if something is fundamentally against the Bill of uh, Bill of Rights, that it can be passed in the first place. Yeah, that's a unique feature of New Zealand's politics, that um, the, the Parliament can do basically whatever it wants and has no actual obligation to follow New Zealand's constitution, partially that's because our constitution isn't all put together in one place, it's a collection of different acts which have been designated as constitutional documents. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's very arbitrary, and I think you're right to point out that this entire argument about procedure, I mean, proceduralism is the refuge of cowards, right? It means that you don't have to actually take a position on the actual issue you're being faced with. You can just say, well, sure, we're breaching the Constitution, but we're going to have a really long argument about whether we have to actually do anything when we're breaching the Constitution. And I think most people, our understanding of a Constitution means a document which needs to be obeyed and followed. Um, so for this to turn into a big argument about whether or not Parliament has to actually listen to the Supreme Court on issues of the issues of the Constitution, I think is, is really disappointing people who just want to deal with the actual issues we face. Mm. I mean, the Supreme Court is full of judges that are the highest in the land, um, and Parliament essentially is just full of, um, you know, nice humans that are just from everyday life, and they've had, you know, uh, ideas of grandeur for, for a lot of them, and, and, and want to be, uh, and think, think they know how to run the country well. But, you know, you'd think that the judges would have the, the, the say in the end, this is their job. To, to, to come up with the rules. Well, Parliament really has a say in the end, and if, if there was, uh, the, the Parliament could get rid of the Bill of Rights if it wanted to. Yeah. Um, so I, and I do think that's, that's, that um, Parliament should have sovereignty uh, over courts. I think uh, court, uh, judges are unelected. Um, they're, they're in a sort of a, a capitalist liberal democracy, you, you have those divides of power, and uh, so the idea is that. Uh, Independent judiciary acts as, as a check on um, on on Parliament, on the legislative branch of the government. But yeah, I, I, I think it would be dangerous if, if if courts automatically can override the government. But clearly, the government uh, is acting in conflict with with uh, a law, entrenched mm -hmm. law in New Zealand, the Bill of Rights. And yeah, I I, um, I agree with Emily that it's 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 disgusting that they're really just concentrating on the procedural aspects of it rather than this blatant contradiction mm. that uh, denying prisoners the right to vote where uh, courts have ruled that the Bill of Rights are um, uh, uh, clearly uh, can be interpreted as saying that all adults have the right to vote. And how, how is the movement going, Emmy, and what is the signalling signaling you're getting from the powers that be? Um... So People Against Prisons Aotearoa has been pushing on this for a little while. We did a small protest outside of um, NMP's office, um, but we accidentally did that during an election year, and so every news station that exists showed up to film us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is, I think, quite a hot-button issue because um, 
parliamentary politics are kind of the lifeblood of politics in our society. I mean, I don't have the greatest faith in electoralism, but people claim at least that um, Parliament is meant to be the most important site for politics in this country. But not everyone is allowed to actually participate in those. So a lot of um, different community organisations have come together around this problem. Um, Just Speak, who I've got a lot of respect for, obviously we're in there as well. Um, the Howard League is also um, pushing on a, a petition about prisoner voting rights. Um, there, there are a lot of people who think that this is just in the year that we're celebrating the 125th anniversary of women's suffrage, we should actually be in the vote to everybody who is constitutionally allowed it, and that's not the case. So we should fix that. Mm. John? I mean, sorry, I, I, Phil, I've done this again. No, I've done this no, second no, time I've done today. No, no, it's I, been, I think it's one reason this has become an issue is that over in, in Western countries, at least, over the last uh, few decades, the amount of people uh, who are in prison has, has massively increased yeah. proportionally. Yeah. So it was actually under um, the Helen Clark Labour government that the, the number of people imprisoned almost doubled. Yeah, uh, and, and and that was um, um, partly a response. I, I, I don't know if you remember, there was a referendum um, years ago where people got to vote on uh, um, uh, on victims' rights and, and should the government be tough on prisoners, and, and that uh, overwhelmingly um, uh, passed. Like I think ninety percent of people, although the question was quite unclear, yeah. the exact meaning of. So, the uh, previous Labour government uh, responded by uh, getting tough on crime, uh, and that's happened throughout the Western world. So you've got. Um, New Zealand has one of the highest imprisonment rates in the world, America of course and what this has led to is um, you know, in countries like America, millions and millions and millions of people being disenfranchised yeah. um, and um, in, in, in America I believe it's still the case if, if it's a, a certain type of crime uh, a federal crime I believe um, uh, then even once you're out of prison you're still denied the right to vote yeah, that's right. So, and you know um, people in prison in America are disproportionately black uh, so that's uh, disenfranchising millions of black people. Uh, and in New Zealand, um, of course, people in prison are disproportionately Māori. So that's disenfranchising um, uh, tens of thousands of, of, of Māori. And the, that, that's a wider background to why there's now, I think, this, this movement to um, uh, enfranchise uh, prisoners. And I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to arguments that um, you know people who have faced, uh, um, who are victims of crime, uh, rape, murder, etc., um, uh, violence. That I can, I, I'm, sympath- I'm sympathetic to the. Uh, um, obviously hatred of the people that committed the crime against them and and, and also uh, wanting those people to be punished and wanting wider society to be protected from people who are you know who have been very violent and destructive Um, um, but the ramifications uh, from a practical side of disenfranchising so many people uh, I think it is is dangerous for a a liberal democracy. Yeah, and if we look at um, the fact that we're talking about mi- minorities, for a lot of people, you know, the vast majority of people uh, within prisons, as you said, are the Maori, uh, Pacific Island, uh, the poor, um, and once you know, National passed this law through, mm. and they're usually the people that don't vote for the National Party. Um, so, uh, you know, it would be seen as a, you know they would have 
you could almost argue the point that they would would have been thinking, well, you know, this is this is a great way of gerrymandering the system as well in, in Aotearoa. Mm -hmm. Or just uh, uh, just appealing to that section of the population that uh, you know tough on crime, mm. uh, sensible sen sentencing trust uh, types, and yeah, it's a, uh, and they at the time they didn't seem to get much opposition. So yeah, uh, from their point of view, why not? It was, yeah, I think it was quite an opportunistic move on their part. Emmy, mm -hmm. uh, um, what's coming up for your group? Um, people against prisons Aotearoa um, in, in regards to this. Um, the prison voting ban, and um, what other campaigns do you have going at the moment? Um, so we're currently getting ready for um, the holiday seasons coming up. So one of the major things that Papa does is the Prisoner Correspondence Network. Mm -hmm. um, it's the largest national pen pal network for people who are in prison. We've got about um, 300 people inside corresponding with about um, 400 people outside. Um, and we're pushing right now to make sure that everybody who is part of our Pintel Network is getting um, a card for the holidays. So we're having um, workshops all around the country so that people can get together and write Christmas cards for people who are inside, which is um, when you're in prison, the hardest thing that people tell us about is the feeling of total isolation, total disconnect from the rest of society. Mm -hmm. um, a disconnect, I think, which this disenfranchisement is part of. Mm -hmm. We're formally excluding people from the democratic process which we use to run our society. Then we're essentially saying that they're not part of our society. Um, so this is a way, I think, a really important way that we can reconnect people inside with the rest of society and help them become part of society once again once they're let out of prison. Yeah. Fantastic. And um, if people want to get involved with the group, how can they do that in Aotearoa? Um, so if you go to papa.org.nz, um, there's a form which you can use to sign up for our mailing list or to sign up to become a member. And if you sign up to either of those, you'll get notifications of when our meetings are going on. There's meetings in Auckland, Wellington and Dunedin. And we're also hoping to have, um, I think, Christchurch and Hamilton branches running soon as well. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of ways that you can get involved. You don't need to become a member if you want to be involved in stuff. Um, there is so much wrong with how the criminal justice system operates in this country that there's almost never a shortage of work to be done. Yep. So there's heaps of stuff that you can do. Right, fantastic. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about Brexit. That's the next topic. Yeah, I'm more than happy to hang around and talk about Brexit. Oh, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, we're going to move on to Brexit now then. Um, now, Britain is one step closer to leaving the EU. Uh, the two parties, the European Union and Britain, have agreed to a deal as such of the government... Uh, well, Theresa May has uh, a 585-page withdrawal agreement, and then a nice 26-page statement on future relations. <laughs> um, this, um, you know, must now be passed by both parliaments, uh, both in the European Union and in the UK. Uh, how is the deal looking for the UK right now, John? Not too good, I don't think. Um, there's uh, both the monks, uh, remainers and uh, exiters. Uh, there's there's a lot of hostility towards this deal, and in many ways, it's 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 not really a deal at all. It's 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 a compromise where the ramifications of Brexit are put off till 2020. So the current situation really just rolls on uh, once um, Brexit takes place uh, next year, mm -hmm. um, and and then there will be lengthy negotiations after that. Um, over uh, trade deals, uh, etc., um, and especially over the Irish question. So yes. that's the, the big tricky point. What is that you've actually you do have a land border between the EU and 
uh, the UK, and that land border is the border between uh, Northern Ireland, which is still part of the UK, and the Republic of Ireland. And so that's one of the big tricky points. Uh, if, 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 um, if there isn't free trade between the EU and UK, well, you'd, you'd effectively have to put up a border, uh, police that border, so there's not a flow of goods and services um, between the, the two parts of Ireland. Um, and yeah, I think, and there's there's nothing inevitable about um, Brexit actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there's large opposition from uh, the Conservative uh, caucus in in Parliament. Uh, up to a hundred uh, MPs have said they won't vote for this deal. Uh, Pro Brexit MPs, uh, on the whole, um, uh, the Labour Party has said it won't vote for this. So if it doesn't pass in Parliament and the House of Lords, um, then what happens? Uh, will there be another referendum? Uh, um, will Brexit happen? A no deal Brexit mm-hmm. um, happen? Uh, will um, will Remainers uh, form a new government and, and, and stop the whole process? Uh, who knows? But at, at the moment, it's it's all rather chaotic. And um, yeah, what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what were they expecting? I don't know. <laughs> what were they expecting to vote for it to get out of the EU and everything was going to be pixie dust and fairies and everything was going to be happy? You're going to get exactly what you wanted. It's well, crazy. Well, one of the one of the problems, of course, is that England and Wales voted pretty decisively. Yeah. To leave. Scotland voted absolutely overwhelmingly to stay. Mm. Like I think it was sixty-two mm. to thirty-eight in Scotland to, for, for staying, and in the the occupied six counties of Ireland that is part of the so-called United Kingdom, people voted to stay as well. Yeah, and by by a but over fifty percent. I think it was yeah. fifty-six to forty-four. So it was pretty pretty clear. Yeah. And so that's a really big tension as well. Um, so what's gonna, what would happen, you know, like if, if or when Britain leaves, what are the, what, what are the Scottish people going to do? They also Scot- Scotland also <laughs> had their referendum recently too, and decided that they wanted to stay within the UK. So yeah, I but mean, but they might have another referendum. And maybe so they want to to leave and be be part of Europe. And in, in Ireland, the, the Taoiseach, the um, Prime Minister in Dublin, has said that if border posts and stuff go up, the, the Southern Irish Army will blow them up, which is actually hot air because no, no Dublin government will ever stand up to, to Britain. But I think that's a kind of interesting thing like that. The, the border that has been, you know, that the British are very, very committed to, and the Dublin government is very committed to as well, is now being thrown in, into question uh-huh. and May has talked about the border actually being the Irish Sea which would push the the north and the south oh. of Ireland together oh. you know, yeah. which I think would be a good thing because yeah. I'm, I'm for Irish <laughs> unity yeah, that's right. <laughs> So that means there would be a continued uh, uh, free flow of goods and, and people yeah. between the two parts of Ireland but, but yeah, it, would mean that, yeah. it would mean that uh, some of the goods coming from uh, <laughs> Britain into Northern Ireland would have to be checked by yeah. uh, immigration customs staff and, and, and vice versa, which, yeah, like Phil said, is almost uh, yeah, pushing Northern Ireland closer to the Republic. And yeah, so um, 
I'm sure that would go down like a cold bucket of sick with a lot of uh, unionists. <laughs> well, I mean, regardless of what Dublin says and regardless of what Dublin's willing to do, there's always the other Irish army which has shown itself more than willing to take action in these kinds of circumstances. It shows how completely untenable um, the UK's claim to the north of Ireland has really been yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Um, can, can Ireland just build a wall and get the UK to pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, well, it was a legitimate question. It seems yeah. to be the kind of thing that goes on I in the world uh, these days. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think even the unionists actually want a wall, you know. I mean, it might sort of force them to face up to the fact that, that they ain't actually British, they're Irish. And they yeah. can put bowler hats in, on and have their orange parades, but, you know, it's time to, to be part of Ireland. Yeah, I guess I'm a bit more sympathetic towards the... Uh, uh, not the reactionary politics of the Protestant community in Northern Ireland, but I recognise that they do have a, a national identity and national rights. And uh, I, I think the uh, dampening down of that sectarian uh, divide is a good thing. Um, um, remember, m- most of these people who are, are unionists and Protestants are, you know, poorer working class people in, in Northern Ireland and uh, so I think yeah there's there's a real danger uh, with this uh, Brexit process that those sectarian divides will will erupt yeah. a- again and, and, and I don't think there's anything uh, um, progressive about that myself. Um, Amy do you, do you think that the the, Lee, the Remain sorry the Leave campaign did a really good job of pulling the wall over the people's eyes when they were going through I mean there was a whole bunch of you know the numbers on the side of the bus that were completely wrong there was a whole bunch of bullshit um, being spread around um, you know I, and I, I think to myself if they did have another referendum now would the result be the same? Yeah, I mean, it relied on an imperialist country managing to represent itself as a victim of imperialism. And that's just not the case. The UK's been sucking the blood out of the entire planet for its whole existence. Um, It's a really bizarre thing to watch one of the largest global empires completely collapse and then do a huge referendum on shooting itself in the foot. And now they're loading the gun and starting to have, you know, trying to have reservations about what they're about to do. It's kind of... um, a farce that it didn't have a tragedy preceding it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I, thought, I mean, I'm surprised that that the Brexit actually passed because the whole of the establishment in Britain, or virt- almost the whole establishment, were against it. And I think a lot of workers, especially in England and Wales, voted for Brexit to kind of give the finger to, to the establishment, although in a very, very confused way because it was anti-immigrant sentiment and all that reactionary stuff involved it as well but I mean I, I totally dislike Theresa May and I would, I would never vote for her and her horrible party but to give her credit they've actually recognised you know the majority of people voted for Brexit in their proceeding yeah. in, in, you know, in the south of Ireland people vote against the, um, the Lisbon Treaty or something else in the EU and the government just completely ignores them pumps out a whole lot of pro-EU propaganda mm. and then has another referendum. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I'm not in favour of, of, of... Well, I mean, it's up to them what they do, but, yeah, I wouldn't... If I was living in Britain, I wouldn't be in favour of another you, referendum because it's like the government just, what, they're just going to ignore a referendum and then they're going to wait and pump out a load of stuff and have another referendum until they get the result that they want, which is what the Dublin government always, yeah. you know, does. What a terrible referendum to stick on, though. 
like this is the one you decide to do like come on uh yeah we've run out of time we've run out of time but um yeah we'll we'll see with this one you know you can't help but watch what's happening because um you know it's on the news every night and it's massive so i wonder you know i often wonder what it is going to mean for us in new zealand in terms of trading cheap holidays uh, in britain yeah yeah exactly <laughs> the pound is collapsing <laughs> it is. uh i'd like to thank uh dr phil ferguson john moore and our special guest this morning emmy rakati thank you so much for joining us it's Thank been you, a pleasure. Yeah. All right, uh, see you all. Well, see you two next week, and um, hopefully we'll we'll talk again, Emmy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, ka- yeah. Kakite. Kakite.